listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 73 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I have been told that science has in fact proven that DJ Durkin is a wizard. Ryan, uh, what do you make of this news? Uh, I think I think it's pretty unsurprising. We've uh, we've suspected that for a while now, and uh, I think the news we got on signing day pretty much only confirms it. What Hogwarts house would he be in if he was in Hogwarts? Well, I mean, if you're if you're a Maryland fan, and I guess he'd be in he'd be in Gryffindor. Really, I mean, people are only in Gryffindor or, Slyther- or Slytherin, right? It's just Gryffindor if you're good, or Slytherin if you're bad, or Hufflepuff if you're irrelevant. <laughs> so Rutgers would be in Hufflepuff then. I, I say what we're going for. This is a great <laughs> idea for an SB Nation story at some point because we need to do something when the college football season is not going on. I can also tell you why DJ Durkin is a wizard because he is so powerful and so amazing that he actually brought Alex Kirshner back to the Testudo Times podcast for the first time in like four months. Hi, Alex. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I am doing okay. How are you doing? You had a busy week. Ended yesterday, of course, with signing day. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well, you know, writing about college football uh, and and enjoying um, being an alum of, of one of the top 20 recruiting schools in the class of 2017. <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? It's it's certainly amazing. Yeah, I think that's I think I think it's definitely amazing. Before we get to the whole talk about signing day, and we'll get to basketball later, uh, has there been a better time in recent memory to be a Maryland fan? Because I'm going back and thinking to I guess 2001, 2002, 03 was pretty fun because both the men's basketball team and the football team were actually good at the same time. But now, I mean, best start in men's basketball history. The women's team's got one loss. Soccer went unbeaten in the regular season. Cross programs are still really good. Football has a top 20 recruiting class. This is a really fun time to be a Maryland fan, and I don't think I've ever said that before. I mean, I guess, you know, I've been someone who hasn't followed Maryland sports that closely until I got to Maryland three, four years ago. Um, but I imagine, you know, the some somewhat early 2000s had to be a pretty good time for football and basketball, right? Yes, well, of course it was. When you go to the Orange Bowl in 2002 in January, and then you win the national title in basketball in April, that's pretty good. I'd say that's pretty good. But since then, I don't think there's been a lot. I mean, 2003 was fine. I mean, they won the Peach Bowl, and they went to the Sweet 16. But now, hey, I can't think of as good of a time to be a Maryland fan since. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's <clears throat> there's definitely something to be written probably by someone at Testudo Times about, um, you know, the relative success of of all Maryland sports. I know we wrote some, we had uh, Neil Dalal write, wrote a thing the other day about how uh, Maryland men's and women's basketball uh, had the second best combined record of anyone in the country. Baylor was number one, but uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Well, we can also ask Dave about uh, what was a better time to be a Maryland fan. And there are presumably many people in the comments will, who will tell us about that as well. So let, let's, uh, let's get into signing day. Uh, as has been proven, DJ Durkin is a wizard. Uh, but before that, Alex, last year, 
when we were talking about signing day, I went back and listened to our podcast then. That was the 33rd episode of this show, so we've done 40 in a year, which is crazy. Uh, it was a very light class last year, and we were wondering, a lot of that had to do with short, compressed schedule to get all these recruits in and just making up whatever you can in the little time you had. Turns out that DJ Durkin planned it to be that way so we could have a huge class this year. Not only did he talk the talk with recruiting and backing up how he said he was going to recruit, he walked the walk. It's incredibly impressive to do that, especially when you're at Maryland. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I think that if you look at where Maryland's been for the last few years, uh, I don't know if there was a more impressive pound-for-pound recruiting effort anywhere in the country this year. Um, You look at the teams that are the the 17 teams that on the 24-7 sports composite um, signed better classes than Maryland, um, and I'm not saying they didn't. I think I think you know the rankings are what they are, and um, there's there's a pretty decent gap between Maryland and the next one there, Tennessee. But every team that's above Maryland has had recent success um, and is what you would call a football school. Maryland is not a football school, has not had any recent success whatsoever. Um, even this year, I, I you know Maryland went six and six and showed progress. Really was not that great a team this year. I don't think anyone would disagree. Um, so he's managed to recruit kind of on promise and, and sell people on something that hasn't happened just yet. Uh, I think that's really impressive. It's harder to do than to be able to point to a track record and say, we've won already. We're going to win with you. Um, you have to sell people on being the group that's going to turn it around. And uh, certainly for at least one year, he's done it. For one year, he's done it. And Ryan, you were at his press conference. And we've heard a lot of stuff with DJ Durkin about recruiting in many interviews dating back to last year and obviously through this one. What stood out to you from that press conference? Because obviously you can't wipe the smile off his face. He said it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this, this press conference, it was what, uh, what I and probably most people expected it to be. He, uh, he focused on the fact that, you know, the class is good because they got a lot of good in-state or right near in-state recruits. That's what he talked about last year at National Signing Day. That's what he talked about uh, in his introductory press conference in uh, December. And that's what he's talked about pretty much any time he gets in front of the mic. That's that's what he's going to talk about. And um, it was, you know, it was cool. He talked a little bit about uh, the the going into Georgia and Florida to get all those wide receivers and just the importance of getting, getting, being that first power five offer for those guys, which I know Alex talked to uh, one receiver, Carlos Carrier, who's a six, five, but is according to the internet only weighs 170 pounds. So he's going to have to put on some weight, but Maryland was the first school to, offer him, then got him up for a visit in April, and then he committed in May. It was just kind of like the – I don't know. They seemed to know what they were doing. But it's the other the other piece he talked about was, you know, just the focus around the clock that they're putting on recruiting, which I don't really have the – you know, I can't tell you what the uh, Randy Etzel, Maryland, focus on recruiting was. I know in general the, you know, the energy level from uh, – DJ Durkin and his staff just seems a little bit greater. Uh, You know, I can't really compare the number of hours that the old staff put in on recruiting. I imagine it was still a lot. Maybe this staff is doing more. Uh, That'd kind of be interesting to find out, I think. My favorite story from this season is during one game, 
some broadcast said that Walt Bell and many times this year would sleep on an air mattress in his office. I'm assuming <laughs> he did that a lot. I'm assuming that most of the staff probably did that a lot because that's the kind of staff that they are. I don't think they ever want to stop working. It's probably because they love it so much. Uh, we're going to get into all sorts of aspects about the class. We'll talk about a lot of the players. We'll get into where they fit on the depth chart. But, Alex, we need to start with the most bizarre thing from signing day, which was Maryland had a commitment for about 12 hours from a player that I don't think they actively recruited, a running back named Cordarian Richardson, and then I wake up today and he's committed to UCF. What gives with that situation? I just want it cleared up before we get into the rest of the stuff. Um, yeah, it was a real surprise when when he committed. Um, he had previously been committed to Clemson, uh, although he decommitted there uh, right around Christmas time. Uh, and what you had there was apparently, and this this was something that I think Adam Friedman with Rivals reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had some academic qualification concerns, uh, but even even with those concerns, Maryland was not um, among the schools that he had listed in his top three. That was was Michigan State, Ole Miss, and somebody else, uh, which eludes me. Uh, certainly not UCF. Um, and then a day after signing day, I mean, you, know, you notice that he didn't fax his, his NLI. Maryland didn't announce him with its class. Uh, and DJ Durkin had been talking in numbers that seemed to exclude him. And, and Walt Bell had, too. So uh, I'm sure eventually we'll figure out um, what the deal is. Or who knows? Maybe we won't. Uh, but either way, it always seemed a little odd that he'd actually get to Maryland and, and play for them. Uh, and it turned out that he will not. And it's funny because he will play against Maryland in the fourth week of the season when UCF comes here. It's could, it's it's weird how the symmetry of this always works, right? Yeah, it could happen. And we'll we'll have to see um, what what his situation is going forward. But I I'd hope to see him. Uh, it will be interesting, and uh, there will there will be some players that were close to coming to Maryland that didn't that we're going to see a lot of because they like to stay in the Big Ten. That's how it works now. Uh, how about we get into some of the recruits that Maryland has signed? And it's such a good class that there are so many players worth mentioning, and it's also a big class that it's hard to get into all of them. But I'm going to let both of you talk about the players that you would like to get into. And I'll interject as necessary. And I'm going to start the ball rolling with one player, Alex, that we have to because his commitment was a bit of a surprise, but it is a very welcome addition, and it's probably the most fun addition of the class, and put the cherry on top, and that's Anthony McFarland. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see how Anthony does. He, he's coming off an injury this year uh, that cost him almost his entire season. Um, but he's an interesting prospect. He's not that big. Um, he's pretty thick. I, mean, I think he's he's listed somewhere around 200 pounds, but he's only about 5.8. It says, yeah, and he's only he's only about 5.8. Uh, where where he fits in will be what's interesting to see. He could play any number of positions. Uh, most likely, kind of as a slot receiver, kind of a scat back, speed back out of the backfield, uh, who's who's used in a pass catching role. Maryland. Even this year when they had Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison running the role, I mean, neither of those guys are uh, are tremendous pass catchers by trade. I mean, they're more workhorse running back types. Uh, McFarland's a bit more of a Swiss Army knife kind of player who can do more things for you. Um, not to say that I'm expecting him to be better than um, Harrison or Ty Johnson, particularly Ty Johnson, who I think is an NFL caliber running back at some point. But uh, if, he, if he can be healthy, which I'd imagine he would be by, by the start of the year, 
uh, he'll be he'll be someone who they'll use in a host of ways and, and should be pretty effective for them. It's going to be fun, not only because Maryland's running back horde is one of the best in the country. That's insane to say that, Ryan. But he's the kind of player that I think Walt Bell is going to have a ton of fun using. And when you're finished with uh, talking about McFarland, you can start talking about some other recruits that caught your eye. Well, yeah, I think it was uh, it was interesting to hear uh, Walt Bell went on Facebook Live and you know answered some or basically just broke down every unit that they recruited and he you could tell when he was talking about McFarland he was really excited and uh, yeah I mean I think I echo Alex you know in most of those ways you know he's uh, it'll I'll be interested to see what he's like especially as a true freshman coming off that injury. But, uh, you know, with the way Bell's offense works with, you know, running backs lining up out wide, wide receivers lining up in the backfield, a lot of pre-snap motion and handoffs going in, you know, a bunch of different directions. I think, you know, you'll see McFarland just do just about everything, you know, when whenever he is healthy enough to go, which I, I believe he's uh, supposed to be ready to go for at least the beginning of the season. But uh, I'd not... 100% on that. Um, as far as my favorite um, recruit, I think, uh, I don't know if I had to go with anyone, I think uh, Marquise Bell is a really uh, interesting guy who I think is probably, I think he ends up being a being a starting safety for Maryland next year. Um, he's just, it was, you know, yesterday at the press conference, and, you know, what people talk about at press conferences you know, sometimes matters, sometimes doesn't. But uh, with the with Durkin, it's when he doesn't really like to single guys out very much in, in these scenarios, at least. But uh, Marquise Bell was one of the guys that he did because Bell's already on campus, uh, you know, doing workouts with the team. And you know, he said he said he looks like an NFL caliber safety already. Um, I think he's just I don't know. He's just seems the most ready to contribute. On day one, Deion Jones is the cornerback who, before McFarland was committed, was the highest-rated commit Maryland had. He is coming off a an injury that cost him most of his senior year, um, so I'm not sure what his status is on being ready for the beginning of the season. But uh, he's definitely a guy I'd be very interested in as well. I think Maryland did a good job, even they didn't though they didn't get uh, Tariq Castro Fields, who committed to Penn State. They still. You know, restock the secondary with some impact players who can play real early. Uh, last year they got, I think they came away with four defensive back recruits, and uh, they all of them played as true freshmen at least a little bit. Um, I think Deion Jones, assuming he's healthy, Marquise Bell, Fofi Basby, uh, all all three of those guys uh, enrolled early, and I think you'll see all of them next year. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of defensive backs, I think. There will be, and a lot of that last year came because everybody was injured in the defensive backfield, it seems. Uh, Alex, all those recruits are great, and you're going to talk about some of them, I believe, but the three we talked about on Friday when we found out that McFarland committed to Maryland, and you said oh, the same thing that I echoed, which was kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday for this recruiting class, that the three big ones were Deion Jones, who you mentioned, Marcus Minor, and obviously Kasim Hill. We'll talk about all of them first, so... Talk, I guess go into those three because you seem to think that they're the foundations of the class and then talk about some of the other players in the ways that you want. Marquise Bell is going to be a fun player too and that was one of the great DJ Durkin surprise commitments too. 
You want Miner and... It was Miner, Jones, and Hill were the three that you mentioned to me on Friday. Yeah. So oh, yeah. go into them and then other players that you want to speak about as well. Uh, I think that Deion Jones might be the best player they got uh, if, if it's not Marquise Bell. Um, I've seen, you know, I've actually only gotten to watch a handful of these guys in person at different points. I mean, most of them, they, they play in high school in places where I'm not, and I haven't gotten to watch them very much aside from, from tape. Um, Deion Jones is clearly better than uh, the vast, vast majority of defensive backs who are coming into the Big Ten. Uh, just a really, really good athlete. Jumps really high, runs really fast, uh, gets good reviews as a kid. Seems like he's he's just going to be a really, really good player for them. And I imagine, you know, he's got pretty good size. He's over six feet. Uh, they can use him as an outside cornerback. He could probably sit behind J.C. Jackson for a little while next year. Uh, but I think he'll be a great player for them. Uh, Kasim Hill is what he is. He's a really good quarterback. Maryland hasn't had a really good arm at quarterback. Or it has had a really good arm at quarterback, but it hasn't had a really good overall quarterback in a while. Uh, it's really hard to project how good any quarterback is going to be uh, with with a couple of exceptions and a couple of systems. Uh, but I think Maryland does get a really good one here. Uh, the number 10 pro-style passer in the class. Uh, and and Marcus Miner, too. He, he's, he's an offensive tackle uh, who's already got Big Ten size. He's about 300 pounds, I think a little bit below that. I think 6'5", 6'6", kid. Um, is used to playing high-level high school football, helps Maryland lay a pipeline at DeMatha where uh, for the last two years they've really had a revival, starting with the, the Terrence Davis, Lorenzo Harrison, Tino Ellis, and DJ Turner class in 2016. Um, so I think they're all going to be really helpful, uh, both for local recruiting purposes. And remember, Kasim Hill uh, was with Cam Spence at St. John's College High School in D.C. Um, so they all come from places where Maryland needs to be recruiting where they need to be recruiting well uh, and more than that I think they're all going to be good yes uh, well, so for first on minor because Maryland the one thing that Randy Edsel did actually do really well in recruiting is get offensive linemen and a lot of yeah. them have played I mean Terrence Davis played a lot last year Damian Prince is now a starter there's a little bit of transition uh, at that unit so the fact that they're continuing to replenish offensive line recruits with guys from the area and highly rated offensive line recruits is something that Randy Edsel, to his credit, started, and DJ Durkin is continuing, and we know how it works in the Big Ten now. You have to be really good on the offensive line to be successful, and Maryland is recruiting very well on the offensive line, and that's continued for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've recruited really well on the line. That was the probably the only really good gift that Randy Edsel left for Durkin when, when he was fired. Um, they do have a lot of talent there, and I don't know if people realize it, but you know when you build as much offensive line talent as Maryland has uh, and as much running back talent as they've accumulated, accumulated over the years, uh, you're going to be able to run the ball. And Maryland, for the last two seasons, really, has been a pretty good running team. Uh, things haven't worked out because they can't pass and their defense has not been good. But the running game is there. I mean, it's a powerful line with powerful running backs behind it. I'd expect that you're going to see that continue. I would expect that, too. Um, we, we should talk about Kasim Hill because after last year's great quarterback that was committed to Maryland and then didn't, uh, Hill is a very important player. And I know Ryan and I, we talked about this before, and I'll let you get back into this. He seems like the perfect kind of quarterback for Maryland's offense, right? You know, Walt Bell really seems to like these kind of quarterbacks, pro style, but he can run. He's got athleticism and has all the talent. 
Otherwise, don't you think that this is the kind of quarterback that Maryland needs to mold into the guy? And it seems like Walt Bell is the quite right person to do that. Yeah, I think uh, it's, I mean, from what I've seen from Hill, which again is only highlight tapes at this point, um, he seems like pretty much the perfect quarterback for Maryland system. With He's rated as a pro-style quarterback, but uh, he clearly has the ability to run. And, um, you know, Maryland, I think, is going to be – Maryland's offense is going to be at its best when they have a quarterback who can do both. I know Alex did a good uh, film breakdown of what Walt Bell's offense looked like last year and how Tyrell Pigram might be able to fit in. And uh, the I just think he'll – um, you know, his arm is certainly good enough. He earned pretty good reviews when he was down practicing for the Under Armour All-America game. And um, uh, the way he fits into this offense seems pretty self-explanatory. And that, you know, when Maryland can run a read option, it should it adds another dimension to this offense because this year, a lot of the time they couldn't because Perry Hills was just too hurt to risk it. And even Perry Hills, a you know not 100% Perry Hills, was still Maryland's best option this year. This is true. So we're this class is still insanely deep. So before we get into the depth chart ramifications of all these recruits and who's going to play the most, I'm going to give you one chance, each of you, to go over some players that we haven't mentioned because this class is so huge uh, of other guys that could contribute right away or players that you're most intrigued by. Alex, uh, who is the most intriguing? player or players from this class that we haven't mentioned yet i actually wanted to add one thing real quick to what ryan was just saying about 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 the running game with Mm -hmm. the quarterback position i think it'll be really interesting to see um to what extent walt bell's scheme changes once now well now that perry hills uh, obviously is not going to be the quarterback uh, and depending on who is whether that's caleb henderson the the north carolina transfer uh or hill or uh terrell pigram it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of a balancing act for him to figure out um, how much QB running he wants to do. My my first thought is that he probably does not want to do a whole lot of it uh, because it, it doesn't make too terribly much sense to me uh, to expose whoever you pick as your quarterback uh, to that much hitting, uh, mm-hmm. especially especially you know depending on what kind of option run game you want to have. Um, you know, sometimes with Perry Hills, Maryland ran uh, those inverted veer plays where you would send the quarterback on an inside running path so he would just get absolutely pummeled, mm-hmm. uh, which worked for Hills because he was a powerful guy. You know, Pigram is not that big. Um, Kasim Hill is not that fast, I don't believe. I, I don't think he's considered kind of a, a downhill running type quarterback, I and mean, I think you'd rather him dropping back. Um, so the long and short of it is that I think no matter who's back there, um, you're going to see a little bit less quarterback running. I just think it makes sense. Um, the exception, I guess, would be if it's Pigram. But even if it's Pigram, uh, I, I just don't know, especially with all those running backs that they're going to have, how much utility there is in sending the quarterback with the ball downfield that many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, now on to the initial question. question. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry, that I, was good, Alex. I love that because we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on the offense because – that's what we do, but also how it might change because it didn't look quite as what we expected it to this year, I guess. Um, yeah, and uh, I think the the receiver, two players, the, the receiver that they flipped from Virginia Tech the other day, uh, Tosh Capehart, is really well regarded. 
Um, just kind of a complete player. He's not huge. I think he's like 5'10", um, but he can 5'10", play the inside. Can play the inside or the outside, and and is really well regarded for his ball skills and and just thought of as a pretty complete player. Uh, I think he'll be good to have. Uh, and Ayinde Ely, who uh, is a local kid from Good Council, uh, Stefan Diggs, alma mater, and is has gone has drawn since before he committed to Maryland last summer has just drawn really good reviews as as a coverage sometimes pass rushing outside linebacker. He's not huge. I think if Maryland wanted to, they could use him at safety at some point, kind of in a strong safety type role, um, or, or maybe as one of those super backers who plays a bit of safety, a bit of linebacker. Um, so he'll be he'll be a versatile uh, piece for Maryland to have on the roster too. Yes, two positions that we're going to get to in just a moment, which are wide receiver and linebacker, intriguing positions for me depth chart-wise. Ryan, who are some players in this class that have intrigued you? Well, I think um, I, K-Part was one of the guys I was, gonna, <clears throat> I was going to say. I think uh, Breon and Brandon Gaddy are both interesting players who uh, Maryland needs more talent on the defensive line and they need more depth. And both twins are really have been pretty highly regarded. Breon is the uh, larger of the twins. He comes in at 6'5", 335. Um, so he's, he's a big guy. Brandon uh, can play a couple of different positions. He's 6'5", 290. Um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how, um, you know, how early they get playing time uh, if, if they do. Um, I know last year on the defensive line, Maryland mostly stuck to juniors and seniors, but uh, they're graduating Roman, Roman Braglow and Azabuki Ukandu. So, they're going to have to get some new guys in there. It'll be interesting to see what role the Gaddies play with also Cam Spence and Adam McLean, uh, who joined Forgot last year him. but didn't play. Keep forgetting um, about him. And then also uh, Javon Leak is a guy who is probably a little overshadowed, I think, with uh, McFarland's commitment. But he plays, you know, sort of the same role McFarland would. Uh, he, you know, both, they're both in recruiting terms and all purpose back and, uh, you know, but we'll probably see both of them lining up in the slot, you know, go, running around, taking jet sweeps, what have you. Um, and let's see if I find anyone else. Jaden Kama, uh, wide receiver from Georgia might be the most, uh, athletically ready of all of the, uh, you know, they have five receiver commits who are 6'2 or taller, but a lot of those seem like projects. Uh, out of all of those guys, I believe Kama is the only one who is uh, at least 200 pounds. And, you know, at 6'2", 205, that's, that's, some, that's some solid size. And uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how early he gets playing time at wide receiver because – Maryland graduated, uh, what was it, Teldrick Morgan, DeAndre Lane, and Levern Jacobs. They're number Malcolm two, Palmer. three, and four. Right. Uh, and those are at least their number two, three, and four uh, receivers from uh, this past season, DJ Moore being number one. So Maryland needs some definite reinforcements there. And, you know, with the DJ Durkin team, true freshmen are always in the mix. Yes. So... I want to say before we get into depth chart ramifications, and you've kind of gone into them, uh, both of you already, but the most fun part of the day, for me yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday, by the way, in case you couldn't tell, 
was how the Maryland Twitter account would tweet out these personalized messages for all of the recruits from big name Maryland alums or students in the case of Bella Trimble. Scott Van Pelt did some, AJ Francis, who of course my personal favorite because AJ Francis is the man, but Steve Blake, Kevin Plank, I even saw Taylor Twelman did one, which was the coolest for me because I love soccer. Bonnie Bernstein, uh, Chick Hernandez, Brian Mitchell. These are the things that old regimes didn't do and DJ Durkin is using to his advantage. And I think that's just the most fun because remember, Maryland's got a lot of cool people who are in the area and are alums. So use them the best way you can. My other favorite was Scott McBrien talking to Kasim Hill, and that's another one that was my personal favorite because he had the two helmets on there and he's talking about, hey, this is gonna be the best decision of your life. And it probably is. So I enjoyed that. Would you guys enjoy that? Um, I'd say so. Yeah. Sure. It wasn't, if, if, if Jim Harbaugh could do what he can do, why can't Maryland do this? I, Use I what think, you have. Use the resources you have as much as you can. Yes, I think I think that's a good point. I also think, uh, you know, if you want to still build a brand and make, you know, the in-state thing feel like more of a community, that's the kind of thing you have to do. And, uh, you know, it speaks to Maryland just putting a little bit more emphasis on the whole recruiting thing than maybe they did under Randy Ezel. I'd say so. Well, again, if you're a recruit and you see Mello Trimble saying how excited he is to see you at Maryland, I don't know. Maybe I'd want to commit then, too, because Mello Trimble is amazing. We'll get to that later. So, Alex, let's go for some depth chart implications at some intriguing positions. We already hinted at it with quarterback. We have our top three, so to speak, with Caleb Henderson, who is a totally unknown wild card. You'll have Kasim Hill as a true freshman and Tyrell Pigram as a true sophomore. The question I think a lot of us are going to have is this. Is Kasim Hill going to play in 2017? And even better, in air quotes, will he start in 2017? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's so far away. Uh, he was not, I don't believe, uh, an early enrollee. Right. So you won't see him in spring practice. Uh, that is something that for a quarterback to start in the Big Ten as a true freshman, and not having been not have been there for spring practice seems pretty hard. Uh, I wouldn't expect it, but it's it's possible. I mean, you never you never know how these things are going to shake out because college football is a weird sport with lots of bodies, and it's hard to predict. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is very true. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about the quarterback battle that's going to ensue in camp? Yeah, I mean, I think once again, quarterback is going to be you know, undetermined and, uh, you know, echoing Alex, I think anyone who says they know who's winning it doesn't because we, you know, none of us are at practice and right now that practice hasn't even happened yet. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see in spring practice what, uh, you know, Henderson, Pigram, Matt, you know, let's not forget totally about Max Bortenschlager either, uh, you know, to see what they're, how they're progressing. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a situation where we figure out in August, once we're allowed to see the team, uh, what Kasim Hill looks like and, uh, you know, what, what the status of that is. Um, I can already tell you DJ Durkin's answer will be something along the lines of we're evaluating everyone and I'll, you know, I'll tell you eventually. I think it'll be like, last, like you know, this offseason where they announced the starter a couple weeks before the season. I imagine it'll be something like that. Maybe it takes a little longer, and they announce it, you know, 
at uh, noon on the on the uh, in in Austin, Texas. Yes, but, I would assume yeah, that's we'll gonna see. happen too. Also, you're getting really good at DJ Durkin speak. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's You've seen enough uh, of his press conferences at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yes, that that is true. I wouldn't also totally rule out the possibility of a grad transfer because your other quarterbacks are either a really young or b totally unknown wild card so that's something that you could see running back we've already spent a lot of mileage on alex the wide receiver core for maryland has been good for many years because for a while it had been young and everybody grew up together now you have dj moore and a lot of young players uh we talked about some of them already. Uh, it's going to be DJ Moore and who else do you suspect? Well, they have a lot of options at their disposal. It, it sure does sound like Marquise Bell is not playing offense. Um, I think he'd be a great receiver. I would be receiver. shocked if he did in a couple of plays because this is yeah. New Maryland. But regardless. Um, but I wonder, too, I mean, is, is Tino Ellis a defensive back now? Like, for sure, forever? Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, they have... You know, I think the, I think very highly of DJ Moore. I think they're pretty well positioned with him being a number one receiver. Uh, and, and yeah, I guess you're right. They really don't have pretty much any receivers returning who caught passes last year. I guess DJ Turner will be around. Yeah. Um, Jarvis Davenport will be around. Both of them barely factored into their offense last year. Um, I think you know it's the kind of thing that could lead to more of Anthony McFarland in the slot as opposed to to in the backfield. Uh, or deep in the backfield, a running back. I guess he'd be technically in the backfield if he were, uh, if he were a slot man. So, uh, yeah, they're gonna have to figure that out. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, by the way, if they if they picked up a grad transfer too. Yeah. Uh, late in the process, I, I believe they're okay with the eighty-five cap. Though Ryan, maybe you could um, shed some light on that. I don't. I, I don't know. Also, how many of their early enrollees they're counting backwards uh, to the last, you know, to last year's class. But I would right. assume they've, that they've left themselves some scholarship space. Um, yeah, you know, to make an ad like that if they want. I I think uh yeah that receiver is really you know if they could you know Teldrick Morgan was such a great addition for this team uh, for 2016 I think they'd love to try to repeat that. Um, I'll add Jaquiel Vey is fine, is going to be eligible again next year. He yep. is the wide receiver slash running back who transferred to Towson then transferred back to Maryland. But I uh, had to sit out last year, and uh, he was a pretty exciting player, if I remember watching from the stands at my uh, my sophomore year. And you know, I think he'll probably end up factoring in pretty well. Uh, Tavon Jacobs is a complete mystery. He uh, he's going into his senior season. He missed all of this season with an injury that was never elaborated on. Um, so his status with the team for next year sort of is a question mark. Um, I think. You know that we could see we could see a guy like Taj Capehart potentially in the slot. Um, Maryland has a lot of guys who could potentially be in the slot for next year if you count those running backs. Um, but I think I think it'll be one of the more exciting things just for the number of bodies they now have at receiver. I mean they're adding six guys just uh, you know as freshmen, not even counting any potential grad transfers. I think mm. uh, there's there's going to be there's going to be a lot. There are going to be a lot of numbers, and good thing I mentioned Jaquiel Vey because this was something I almost totally forgot, <laughs> which is which is bad. But you know, Jaquiel Vey was fun, but it doesn't it seem like most of Maryland's receivers are guys who could play both in the backfield and as a receiver, which I know Walt Bell really likes. But that's seemingly like all of Maryland's quote unquote receivers now, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, I think that's or Alex can shed a little light on this in a sec, I guess. Sorry, but uh, that's I imagine what he wants from his receivers. You even saw DJ Moore taking uh, reverses and jet sweeps last year. I think um, you know he's just going to want to get the ball to if if you have someone who is objectively good with the ball in space like DJ Moore, you're going to want to get him the ball somehow. Uh huh. This is true. Um, yeah, I think I think if you're not running um, kind of a downhill power running scheme where you're just sending running backs behind pulling guards and tackles all game and trying to kind of fit between creases between the tackles. Uh, I think most receivers, as long as they're fast, which most receivers are, or they wouldn't be receivers, um, they can work in, in a college scheme. I mean, it's like Ryan mentioned, it's jet sweeps, um, the occasional reverse, just sweep plays to the outside. Uh, you don't have to technically be a running back to, to be able to execute plays like that uh, within a scheme that doesn't lead you to to be spending all your time going mm-hmm. in the middle, especially yeah. and because in in high school, if you are a, you know, generally if you're a good running back, you're also playing some receiver. If you're a good receiver, you're also playing some running back. You're probably playing ten other positions too. Because if you're really good in high school, you're doing. They're just trying to get you the ball anytime, any way that uh, that they can. So I imagine a lot of guys they bring in are going to have experience doing a lot of different things. Absolutely. So there are two defensive positions that I want to highlight uh, before we quickly switch gears to basketball. Alex, the first position that on defense that I want to get to is linebacker, and it is a position that was probably Maryland's worst in 2016. There are tons of questions as to who will play there and how because of how important it is in DJ Durkin's defense, but the kind of versatility that certain players can play with their hand in the dirt up on the defensive line or potentially as a stand-up linebacker or even at safety. This is a crazy position, and there's a lot of uncertainty there as well. We saw some guys like Ayindeele they picked up. Uh, but what do you make of the linebacker core in terms of the players that have come in and who can play immediately? Because there's also a question about Shane Cockrell, whether he'll be back next season. I didn't know there was that question about there if he'll be back next There is a question there. That, um, yeah, his, uh, he had academic issues, and he's oh, going into okay. his senior season. So it's uh, yeah. they, they haven't made any announcement. We want right. to be clear yeah. on that. But. Uh, yeah, I think, look, I mean, if everyone were back, um, I think Jesse Annabonham's supposed to be a senior. Jermaine Carter will be a senior. Uh, yeah. And you just mentioned Cockerell. I mean, they have some guys with experience. Um, I agree. Maryland's linebackers have been terrible for a couple of years. Um, like really just have been very bad. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of way around that. So um, I, I don't know that I'd expect it'll be a strength, but I would, you know, there will at least be veterans there. So um, I, I can't imagine it would be worse than it was last year. I can't imagine that either, but there were, what were there, a couple of the two, like, junior college transfers. It was Bryce Brand and uh, Underwood, right? Yeah, well, Br- Bryce Brand is just a, he's, he's a prep. He's, yeah. he's oh, a freshman. He's a prep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Underwood's he, not. I, I got the two mixed up, but Underwood. No, un- Underwood's junior college. Uh, so he might play next year. I would. Ex- yeah, I, would I, guess I, I, I mean that. anybody could play next year. I mean, yeah, Mar- you know, DJ Durkin plays true freshman. This is true. Yeah. I think that's like that's the big disclaimer we have to do in front of every position is like, literally any any one of these people will be given a chance to play. Um, you know, I think if Cockerell comes back, I'm led to think that he probably, uh, you know takes that starting job back and I think he's a guy especially who you know he just finished his first season as a linebacker uh you could expect some improvement in terms of just his eyes and the angles that he takes um you know which needed improvement he needed a uh, tractor let's say that and 
you know, Jermaine Carter was a guy who I think we all expected to be one of the team's best players. And he, you know, went to, you know, the linebacker, the the way the linebackers play in DJ Durkin's scheme is like totally different than what he was doing under Randy Edsel, where he was a middle linebacker. Now it requires him to go essentially sideline to sideline. And that's not really a strength of his. Um, so I think the linebackers in general, their lack of speed was really um, apparent during last season. You know, a guy like Ayinda Hile, um, you know, he's only 200 pounds. If he puts on a little bit of weight, maybe he's a pretty fast guy. I don't really know. Um, and I think, you know, I've heard good things about Nick Underwood. Uh, Bryce Brand seems like um, more of a guy they might stick at the uh, at the buck, the uh, hybrid defensive end linebacker position. Um, and a guy, what, Kofi Wardlow, who was verbally committed to Maryland but decided to sign with Notre Dame on signing day, seems like he had the speed to play there as well. Um, yeah, this, you know, like, like like any other position really, we'll get – We'll get a little bit more clarity, you know, during spring practice. But uh, it's there's. I think you can you can definitely pencil Carter in as a starter. Uh, you know, wh- whoever is playing next to him, because Maryland usually only plays two linebackers, uh, is not apparent. This is true. Uh, one more position, and we should uh, then go to basketball very quickly. Is the corners? Lots of open spots there. Many players will likely Alvin Hill among others, are gone. So, Ryan, quickly on the defensive backfield, you already talked about Marquis Spell and how he might play next uh, next year. I would assume that's almost a lock. But other than that, who are some of the other players from this class that could see early action? Well, uh, I'd definitely say Deion Jones, um, assuming he's recovered from his injury. Uh, he's Alex already elaborated on him. He's pretty good. Uh Fofi Bazzi, uh, are all he enrolled early too. Uh, had some pretty good reviews. Another in-state guy. Um, am I? Who? Who are the other uh, defensive back signees? Um, those. Those are essentially the big ones. Uh, Kenny Bennett from Philly. Um, I don't. I don't know if he'll necessarily factor in this year. Uh, he'll be a guy to watch. I do wonder. You know, if we're talking about receivers for a second. I feel like Tino Ellis is a guy who could, uh, you know, switch back to receiver if they need him next year. But we can talk. That's really something to be discussed once we figure that out in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Marquise Bell. I really think he'll end up starting, but who knows? Uh, Maryland's going to need someone to start uh, opposite J.C. Jackson at corner. Um, is that going to be Deion Jones if he's healthy? I'm inclined to think it might be. But yeah, as with everything, we'll. We don't really know. We have been surprised before by DJ Durkin. And the one thing I'll say, though, there's so much great news with recruiting. It's a top 20 class, fourth best in the Big Ten, fourth best in the Big Ten East. And this is something I feel like I might say a lot over the next seven months into the season. Maryland might have more talent than it's had in a while, but a lot of it's young. And they have the second hardest schedule of any team in the Power Five, apparently, which means they could end up finishing six and six again. It's just Mm -hmm. how it goes. So we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about basketball briefly, and we have to because the team is 20-2, and two, which is the best start in program history. And, uh, Ryan, I don't think we should be putting any qualifiers on how good this team is anymore and just say that they're good, really good. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Maryland's uh, strength of schedule um, is 
is looking a little bit better on uh, on Ken Palm now than it used to be because I do think you know the best start in program history. Maryland's out of conference schedule was just generally it was very easy, except for Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Um, you know, those were all teams that Maryland should have beat pretty handily. And, uh, you know, a lot of the games were, were close, but they won all of them. So you got to give them credit there. Um, I think when Maryland started conference play, we were all kind of thinking we were in for a little of a fall back to earth and they might, you know, some of these close losses, close wins over uh, not so impressive teams in non-conference schedule would turn into losses in Big Ten play. That hasn't happened, and um, I think, you know, you look at a game like Purdue on Saturday, uh, that's going to be their biggest test of the season, at at least up until now. Wisconsin's a little bit later. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think this team, this team is certainly good. There's there's no way around that. Uh, We're going to, we're going to find out a pretty big piece of how, how good they are this weekend. Yes, we will. And Alex, you need to get your word in on this team. I know you cover mostly college football, but hey, you're talking about a great basketball team is always fun, especially when you're a Maryland fan. So what say you on the season that has been and might be? Well, just I think it's encouraging that, you know, their second, third and fourth best players, it seems, are, are all true freshmen. Uh, and they're all true freshmen who seem as though they probably will be back for at least another year or two. Um, so, yeah, I think you're seeing the beginnings of uh, – well, I shouldn't say that because you already saw the beginnings of it probably two years ago when, when Melo Trimble was a freshman. Um, I think you're seeing the continuation of, of Maryland um, being a pretty regular presence in the top 25 and uh, being being on an NCAA tournament streak that could last a while. It definitely feels like it, although I don't want them to be too good because we're already starting to hear the little whispers, especially Justin Jackson, might he be an NBA player. And that, that well, that'd be great. That'd they be great for you. Right. They might be right, but I don't want that to happen just yet. One uh, more year, please. I, I, th- I don't think Jackson it would leave after his freshman year, but after his sophomore year, I would, I would not be surprised. Uh, neither would I, but starting to hear the rumors about freshman year, so... Let's hold off of that. And it, it is absolutely true that the game against Purdue is their biggest test of the season. They just destroyed a ranked Northwestern team. I know that's an odd thing to say, but they are the best teams Maryland played. And, Ryan, I think the biggest key for this game, and after this we'll end the show, is this is a team that's got a lot of size. This is a very good defensive team. And as we've seen, Maryland could get befuddled by good defenses and kind of run themselves into a bog. And they haven't played a team like that yet. They did play a good defensive team in Rutgers who just couldn't shoot. Purdue can shoot, and this is the kind of team that I think can beat Maryland, even though this game's at home and Maryland has the atmosphere advantage, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. This is a team that could beat Maryland at home. Uh, you know, they're uh, number 12 in uh, Ken Palm, and I believe uh, – I don't, I don't actually know what Purdue's ranking was in the latest AP poll. But... 23. 23. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Caleb Swanigan is having just an unreal season. Um, Isaac Haas is still there, and he's still ridiculously tall. Um, those are going to be the two guys that Maryland have to watch out for. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see who, uh, you know, I guess Justin Jackson sees a lot of Caleb Swanigan on defense. Um That'll that'll be as tough a thing as he's ever had to do in Maryland. Um, 
you know, he's gives up two inches. Uh, Swanee is six nine, Jackson six seven, but Jackson has a seven three wingspan. So that'll be that'll be the thing that I have my eye on the most on Saturday. I do too, and we will talk more about this next week. But this show was heavily recruiting focused, so that's why we couldn't focus as much on basketball. But trust us. We will get back to it because it is so much fun to talk about the best start in program history. Alex, thank you so much for being back with us. It was great to have you on the pod again. It's like old times. Yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. You, We have to make this a habit more often than once every four months. And uh, Ryan, enjoy the game on Saturday. It's going to be the best atmosphere all season at Xfinity Center, I would assume. Shame the game's at noon. It should be later. But it's going to be a hugely fun game to watch. It'll be one of the great the games for Maryland that probably feels like it's as good in the building as it is on television. Yeah, I've, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what it's like. I was there for the uh, UConn, Maryland-UConn women's basketball game, and that was the, that was the best I've seen Xfinity Center definitely all year uh, or all, you know, school Since year. Since maybe Iowa last year. Um, yeah. Iowa game so last season was the best. It's always, it's always nice to go to a couple of, you know, those couple of games a year where you can tell everyone's really – really packed in there and really excited. There's not many better uh, venues in college basketball when they're filled that are as good as Xfinity Center, as I was telling somebody recently. So thank you all for listening to this marathon podcast. Enjoy basking in the glory of how good Maryland is at sports for the time being, because this is Maryland. It probably will change very soon. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday, uh, of course. But of course, go Terps. Terps.